Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Courtney Caldwell, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Thank you. Happy to be here. You and I met a couple years ago, right? We, we did, yes. Uh, the Ashland Movie Theater and you opened mm-hmm. up the doors to the theater so we could record uh, season one of the podcast yeah. for, for Downtown Ashland Association. Yeah. That was in, I think, July or August of 2021, and I just started working there, and the theater was still closed due to the pandemic. Yeah, it was a, a, kind of a bummer, bummer of a time. Yes, yes it was. So the, the Ashland Movie Theater, as we all know, mm-hmm. uh, opened up 75 years ago originally, mm-hmm. but then it closed down for quite some time. When did it reopen? It reopened in December of 2018 after a big uh, renovation to the building. Yeah, it's beautiful now. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. It's absolutely gorgeous. So let's go back chronologically. It originally opened in 1948. Correct. I, see how I did the math at 2023 yeah. <laughs> minus 75? I got to 1948. So it was a post-World War II sort of venture, and there, I think there was a lot of money and good feeling in communities like Ashland and said, why, why wouldn't we build a really cool movie theater? Mm-hmm. Were those fairly uh, prominent in the landscape, I wonder, back then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Ashland Theater has what kind of sadly became a pretty standard kind of timeline narrative for a lot of single screen theaters in across the United States. They were built um, beautiful houses, just beautiful houses with attention to detail that you don't see in kind of your 1990s or early 2000s multiplexes, just built to be a beautiful space that is, um, you know, more than just a functional space. Um, And then, of course, it fell into disrepair um, and then eventually kind of shuttered due to everything that was happening in the cinema landscape with home videos and DVDs and, of course, the multiplexes opening that could show more movies per day than a single screen could and therefore could just make much more revenue. Um, But, yeah, it closed, and then um, the town eventually purchased it, and the foundation that I work for was formed to maintain the building and operate it. And so it was closed for, what, three decades, roughly? I believe so. Well, I mean, it never fully closed because there were still people that would kind of open it up and do pop-up events there. Mm. Um, And, I mean, that was before my time. But I do think that this town of Ashland, I mean, the marquee of the building is so iconic. I mean, it's just... It's a beautiful, beautiful marquee. And so for the town to have let that go, I I just think think that there are a lot of people in this town that would have never let that happen. Um, So it was was just a matter of time and fundraising to get it reopened. Yeah, I imagine if uh, we went on a ride around the Richmond metro area and Mm -hmm. hit every single road in the metro area, so really the city of Richmond, Henrico, Hanover, Chesterfield, Mm -hmm. are there other marquees like that around? There are a few. I mean, one of the theaters that I worked for earlier in my career was the State Theater up in Falls Church, and um, it's the same. It's a it's a larger space, but it was the exact same trajectory. It opened in like the 1940s, closed, was renovated, and it is now a commercial space. It's not a nonprofit space, but um, it has a nice marquee. Not quite as beautiful as this one. This this one is really outstanding. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't miss it. No. Yeah, it actually gives off a really good vibe, too. It does, yeah. And it's a classic look. I mean, the the inside of the theater needed a lot of work to reopen, uh, but the exterior just needed to be shined up and polished. It was ready to go. How many does it seat now? Uh, right now, we seat about, I say 268. Uh, we have a side balcony that we use for certain events, and we have a what we call the loge, which are these kind of tall bar tables in the back with movable chairs, and we can 
fit a few more in there depending on the type of event or configuration. But 268 is what our theater seats. So 250 to 300, depending on what's going on. Exactly. Or 268 mm-hmm. to 300, depending. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, I, I have to tell this story since we're talking about the National Movie Theater. My dad in 1979 took me to the old, the, the pre-renovated theater before mm-hmm. it, uh, not shut down, but certainly uh, got a lot slower there, uh, to the movie Stripes. Mm-hmm. Now, I know I look fairly uh, <laughs> young, but I was 10 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember the movie Stripes, but it had very adult themes in it. And I'm, and when the first adulty sort of thing happened, I'm like, Dad, why am I here? <laughs> but I, I remember that like it was yesterday. That was 44 years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I have great memories there. And I've also been to a lot of events that have nothing to do with movies, whether it's music mm-hmm. or uh, speaker series sort of thing. So what, last year or so, what kind of events have happened in the, the movie theater? Yeah. So we, um, you know, when I, when I'm telling people about the theater, I kind of estimate that we do about 80% movies and then, uh, 20% other things. Um, we do have concerts, we have a book festival that will be the third book festival will be happening this May. That's been really, really successful. Um, the book festival has, um, kind of formed it introduced us to fountain bookstore downtown and they have become wonderful partners they bring a lot of authors to us when they're on their book tours to do signings and conversations and um, some really great events have come out of that we do a lot of private rentals a lot of private rentals our children's birthday party package is super popular Um, and we try to do a lot of community events Um, I have talked about this one so many times, but we have our uh, monthly free event called the Toddler Takeover, um, where once a month on a Saturday morning, we open the theater, it's free, um, we leave the house lights on, and it's geared towards kids who are ages zero to six to come in and just sit in the theater, and we show cartoons that are six minutes or less. Um, We have, sometimes, some months we have live storytelling, uh, one month we had Disney princesses on stage singing. Um, it's a really cool event to kind of introduce young children to the theater and kind of give them an opportunity to be there and just see what a theater is and without any of the expectations of having to be quiet or sit still. Um, the whole series was inspired by my beloved nephew, Lukey, um, and it's become really, really popular Um you know, with families and also like with grandparents that might have their grandchildren on a Saturday morning um, to just bring them in. And it's, you know, a cool weatherproof event that we do. Um, We also have our annual Holly Jolly holiday party where Santa comes to the building and takes pictures on stage. Um, We do that and that's a free event as well with families. And then we let families with dogs get the whole family on stage with Santa pictures. and then, you know, for Easter, we have the Easter Bunny come and we show Hop. Um, but we try to, you know, we don't only want to show movies. And really, we can't because, you know, the pandemic has changed the way that people go to movies. Um, increasingly, movies are being released in the theaters and then maybe 30 days later, they're on streaming. And so many people would rather just wait 30 days, see it in the comfort of their own home where they can hit pause and talk and look at their phones rather than go see it in a theater. Um, you know, and some movies during the pandemic were just dropped immediately onto streaming. And so the way that the people now are looking at new release films has just changed. And so for us to continue to operate for 75 more years, we have to kind of think around that. Um, But I mean, that being said, we definitely have a very loyal um, patron 
group here in Ashland. We have some people that I think come to see whatever we're showing just because we're showing it. We have a lot of repeat customers um, and a lot of support, which is really nice. Um, that's a nice thing to have to know that no matter what you're doing, there are certain people that just, just want to support you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, mm -hmm. So I have questions about a couple of things you just mentioned. Sure. The, uh, the zero to six-year-old. Toddler takeover. Toddler yeah. takeover. Uh, how old was Lukey when he came up with that idea? <laughs> so he was uh, four. Last summer, my sister had just given birth to my new niece, Emma. And Lukey's daycare class had somebody had COVID and so the class was shut down and so my sister asked my mom to watch Luke for a few days because she didn't want Luke who could possibly have had COVID around the baby who was too young you know for any of that so my mom was talking to me one night and she said I'm just running out of things to do with him I don't know what I'm going to do with him and I said I'll bring him to the theater tomorrow and we'll put on some cartoons and he can just run around what a great aunt well I yes I am I, I mean <laughs> they are the kids are the main reason I live here now uh but they but so she brought him in and um and Rachel who's our technical director was helping me get the cartoons on the projector and, and we were just looking at him and he's sitting there eating his little popcorn and I was like, is this something? Is this something we should be doing? I think maybe other people would like this. And it really is so cute because um, we saw these little kids trays that have a little popcorn and a little drink. And so, you know, we'll get these three, four year olds that are just like, what is this building? And they get their popcorn tray and they sit, you know, and again, the lights are on. So they're not, they're not uncomfortable. They're just, taking it all in and um you know i mean i think that i think it's going to be really cool over the next 75 years when we have people like yourself you know it won't be people saying oh i saw stripes here it'll be people saying my grandmother brought me to the toddler takeover i don't even remember it but i've seen photos oh they're gonna remember it though if, I, they're, if they're five or six years old they'll remember that. i hope so i hope so i mean we definitely it's really funny to watch you know we over the summer we have a Monday series that we do um, for $2 movies every Monday at 2 o'clock. It's over now because the schools are back in session. But there were a couple times where I would be out in the lobby for the $2 movies scanning tickets. And, you know, and a grandmother would come in with a couple kids. And I'd say, welcome. You know, have you been here before? And the adult in the group would say no. But the kids are like, yep, mm -hmm, yeah, we got it. We're old school. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, come on in. Show your parent or grandparent around. Like, I don't need to tell you anything. So, so how many uh, kids do you get on a Saturday morning? It, I mean, it really ranges. I mean, it can be anywhere from 40 people total to 200 people total. All right, so let's just call it 100 yeah. every Saturday. And then over time, maybe it's it's six or seven hundred people that have experienced that or oh, maybe, it's for like, sure. maybe it's 1200 yeah pretty, yeah pretty big number for the town of ashland but mm -hmm. if you think about how many kids at the age of one or five or six across the country get to experience something like mm -hmm. that in their first six years of life i know it's, it's a really small percentage yeah yeah no it's really cool because i think that you know when when people view the theater a theater or theaters in general as a safe friendly space then they're going to remember that and want to do that again and feel comfortable doing it um, and i think that that's really important i mean that's why that's why we do this so that people can have a safe comfortable night out and a good time and so yeah let's start that young all right book festival i show up mm -hmm. what's my experience like well it's um we've been really lucky the last two years we've gotten some great authors um and we so basically so like the first year we had uh david baldacci um adriana Tri i'm always butchering her last name adriana Trigi triani 
That's close enough. Yes. And uh, and then Zeta Elliott. Um, and that was over a two-day period. And we had... So Zeta Elliott is um, an author and a poet. She writes children's books. And one of her books was on a list at several places for to potentially be banned. So she was there talking about her book and just talking about kind of the, you know, her history, like her experience writing it, her reasons for writing it. Um, and it was a conversation and it was amazing. It was really eye opening and people got to ask, ask some very honest questions and, you know, it was a dialogue. And then the next night we had, uh, David Baldacci and Adriana in and Adriana is, if you ever get an opportunity to hear her talk, you will not forget it. Cause she is a personality times a thousand. She's hilarious. And David Baldacci, I think, was just kind of watching her talk and go. Um, but, you know, and then they sign their books and then there's an opportunity to do, um, to meet them afterwards at a private reception. Um, so yeah, it's great. And then this past, the second festival we had, um, two different authors and it was a little bit more low key. I, their names are completely escaping That's me okay. right now. You needed Adriana yeah. at the second one. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> yeah, Adriana will probably be on my podcast someday. She should be. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna I'll make that happen. I Good. Just, I just well, spoke... she's from Virginia. Well, then it's too yeah. easy. It's way too easy. <laughs> All right, let's talk about you for a second. Uh, sure. Where did you grow up? Uh, well, I was born in Roanoke, um, and I lived there, uh, <laughs> and I was there until uh, middle school. My parents divorced, and we went up to Northern Virginia, where I did high school and college. Okay. And then, um, you know, I was immediately pre-pandemic, I was in New York for about 11 mm. years working and mostly off-Broadway theater. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. B- b- on stage or? No, no, no. Off stage. Off stage. Administrator, manager, all those things. <laughs> you don't want to be on stage? No, no. I studied music when I was in high school. Well, I mean, from zero, you know, I was piano player and uh, bass clarinet player, but uh, I didn't really have the the drive to practice as much as you need to practice if you want to perform. So you have to be obsessive. You have to, yes, you have to be, you have, yeah, you have to give it a lot of time. And I'm, I just wasn't, I knew that that about myself that I wasn't going to do it. You liked it, but you didn't really love it. Maybe. Yeah. I liked, yes, exactly. I love, I love live events. I love walking into a space and seeing people come together. Um, you know, particularly at concerts, but, but any kind of shared experience that a group can have, I think is a really magical experience and I think it's important to the human condition um and I think we all saw that during COVID when we couldn't do that um but yeah I I just knew that my place was behind the scenes making making things happen rather than actually doing it on stage uh and so how'd you end up here in Ashley um well so during the pandemic um of course you know theater had shut down in New York um and so I came back for what I thought was going to be a couple weeks uh, to stay with my mom in March of 2020. This was in Northern Virginia at the time. We were all up there. And I ended up staying for most of that year because uh, there was just really no reason, other than the fact that I was paying rent, there was no reason to go back to New you York. Paying New York rent and you oh, yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, and so, but I mean, but more importantly, I just, my sister had just my niece and nephew at the time. And my nephew was a year old right when the pandemic kind of started. And I just, I got used to seeing them every couple of days. Um, we were our own little COVID pod and I got to watch him learn how to walk and play with him all the time. And so I went back to New York just for a few months and I said, you know, it's gonna be so long before theater gets back to what it was in New York. Um, maybe I should go back to Virginia and just, you know, be a little bit closer to the kids. 
And so right about that time, my sister said, well, sure, come back to Virginia, but we're moving to Richmond. <laughs> she was in Alexandria at the time. So uh, they made plans to move to Richmond, and I just started applying for jobs. And I saw this posting, and I thought, well, that could work. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I ended up here. Do you love the town of Ashland now? I do. I do. Yeah, I do. It's It's been, you know, it, it's very strange to go from – Manhattan to Ashland, Virginia. There, there was a little bit of whiplash. <laughs> did you feel like you were going back a few decades? Maybe? I did. Well, not, you know, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way, but it's uh, no. It was very like, oh, okay, yeah, we're gonna, you know. But no, Ashland has been very welcoming, and like I said, it, it is. It's easy to work for a place like the Ashland Theater because the town wants it to succeed, and the town is so supportive. It's really nice to feel like you already have a bunch of cheerleaders surrounding you. No one wants the theater to fail. And so that makes my job that much easier and that much more fun. Yeah, you run into folks in their 70s and 80s and they've been here their entire lives. Oh, it's amazing, and it, yeah. And it crushed them when the theater slowed down quite a bit and I'm sure it just made their year mm -hmm. or their decade to open the theater back up. Yeah, yeah. And to do such, such diverse things inside the theater, it's super cool. It is. It is. Yeah. And we're really trying to just grow. I mean, every, you know, we're, we're constantly on the lookout for different types of events, different types of programming. Um, you know, we've, I've been lucky to form a good relationship with the librarians at the library here, and they have really amazing ideas for other types of family events that we can do, other types of kind of conversational, current event, um, kind of dialogue encouraging events um, and it, it's such a great space for that because you know 275 seats isn't large but it can feel in other spaces I've worked it can feel a little bit more um, less intimate but at the theater I think it, it feels very nice it's a nice group to have where you feel like you're not getting lost in a crowd but you're also not the focal point of attention sitting in the room. Yeah, my daughter uh, is a sophomore at Randolph-Macon now. Uh, oh, okay. My mom taught there. I ended up spending a ton of time over there just like Silent Rob did when, when we were kids. Uh, they have a refurbished theater over there. Mm -hmm. is, is there any sort of interplay between the two theaters? Um, not yet, but we have certainly talked about it. Um, we have, I currently have four Randolph-Macon students on our staff, on our part-time staff, and we, um, you know, one of the one of the goals that was given to me when I took the job was to to kind of get that relationship more open um, because we want to you know we want to include encourage the college students to come to the theater, but also just I mean they're, they're here. It's a wonderful school. Um, I'm actually super excited. I'm going to be teaching a course there this fall. Oh, nice! So hopefully we will improve that relationship even more. But right now we do. About five events, I would say, where the college rents the theater, you know, for various types of things. Um, and we have talked about doing more, like if they have a big concert, maybe they use the theater as like a rehearsal space mm. earlier in the day or something like that. Nothing that has come to fruition yet, but we are definitely trying to foster that. All right, you mentioned you're going to be teaching a course mm -hmm. this fall. What's the course? Um, arts management, principles of arts management. What does that mean? Um, well, I mean, it's kind of an introduction course to arts management. So I got my master's in arts management at George Mason, um, and it's a new discipline um, that, you know, I would say in the last 10 years, you're seeing it much more at universities around the country. Um, but it's essentially that, you know, the nonprofit structure, the nonprofit art structure in the United States is weird. 
um, compared to other countries around the world. I mean, it's very fundraising dependent. And I think that... Um, Versus government. Uh, funded, yeah, the, yeah, exactly, in other countries. And I think that one thing that people, that organizations, arts organizations in this country are realizing is that it can't just be people who got into it because they wanted to perform and then just you know, kind of walked into administration because they were there. It needs to be people who understand how business works, how fundraising works, um, how marketing works. And so having a degree in dance performance or theater performance is, is helpful, but you need that second level of kind of business structure, business understanding over that. And so, so that's really what, you know, when I got my master's, it was learning about marketing, learning about budgeting, um, and just kind of learning how to speak the arts nonprofit vernacular because it's its own universe. Um, yeah, no, arts and business are two very, two different, very different things. Yeah. And unfortunately, they just can't be um, anymore. So because for a long time, you know, arts organizations in the country had subscribers, people that would just subscribe and they had their block of tickets to everything that that organization was doing that season. Um, but increasingly, people don't like to do that. People are last minute ticket purchasers, mm. um, you know, and it's you can't count on this group of X number of people that are going to just show up every single season. You have to be prepared for, you know, younger buyers, people that are a little bit less inclined to just dump money without knowing that they're going to get a good experience out of it. Um, so you, we have to be a little bit more strategic. So, but yeah, the class that I'm teaching is just going to be an introduction to all of these things, um, all of these principles, and just kind of thinking about what it means to work in the arts and, and look at it with a more business-minded focus. It's really cool that arts management is now uh, in a place, but it's created an ecosystem where people can do it from Jump Street. They don't have to be a performer, to your point, mm -hmm. for 20 years and then get into it begrudgingly or mm -hmm. they get into it without really knowing anything beyond the performance exactly. part of it. Right. Yeah, and it's really cool that Randolph Macon and you were able to work that out where you could teach over there. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, well, tell, walk me through how that happened. How did you connect with them? Well, um, one of the one of our board members at the theater is uh, Dr. Doring, and he is the chair. Well, he's on sabbatical this semester, but he is the chair for the arts department. And um, I had done a guest lecture for this class a few semesters ago, and he, I, I think that that professor just wasn't available. And he said, "Is this something that would interest you?" And I said, "Yes." Absolutely. <laughs> I love, you know, if nothing else, hopefully I'll get some more part-time staff out of it because we love our Randolph-Macon part-time staff. <laughs> yeah, especially in the uh, the fall and spring, right, mm -hmm. when, when they're all here. It seems, yeah. It seems lonelier in the town when, they, when they're not in session. It does, yeah. And we've had um, some great interns that have come from Randolph-Macon, like really wonderful interns. We had an intern this summer, Katie Dodge, uh, whose entire project was putting together this video about our 75th anniversary, and she did an amazing job. And I have not put it up on our socials yet, but I will, um, just because she's gonna put some footage from the 75th anniversary celebration that we had on August 10th. She's gonna put that into the video, and then that will be our final product. But an amazing retrospective of just the theater and how important it is to the community. And she, you know, and that, that was her internship project. It was a marketing piece, and it was she did an amazing job. All right, so I imagine you have some events that are planned several months out, maybe even more than a year from now, maybe not. Um, wh which ones are you really looking forward to in the coming months? Whew. Okay, so yes. Um, well, we 
Yes. Okay. So one thing that we're doing as part of the 75th anniversary celebration is a monthly series of films from 1948. Um, and all of the tickets are 75 cents. Um, and that has been, excuse me, that has been announced and is on sale for the next year. So the next one coming up is on September 18th, I believe is the Monday. Um, and it's letters from an unknown woman starring Joan Fontaine. Um, all tickets are 75 cents. And then in like October we have, um, Macbeth, which was directed by and starring Orson Welles. Um, and then it's just in a really, it's a really amazing lineup of films. Um, our film booker is a guy named Ken who's based out of Maine and he did an incredible job picking these films. Um, we have two films starring Judy Garland, um, a Laurence Olivier production of Hamlet, um, a Hitchcock film, um, I mean, it's it's just this incredible line of films. All of the tickets are seventy five cents, and they're all on sale. And we've already sold at least a dozen tickets to all of these showings. And some of them are not until next summer. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a really cool series. Um, we also are doing two plays this fall um, from the Barter Theater out of Abington. Um, out of Abington. Out of Abington. They have a touring troupe, and we had them here last year doing Frosty the Musical, and it was so cute and wonderful and so we're bringing them back to do frosty again in december and then they're also doing um a play a musical jack and the beanstalk in october and those tickets have just gone on sale uh we're going to be doing two showings of the rocky horror picture show in october with a shadow cast last year we did two showings of rocky horror one with the shadow cast one without and the shadow cast showing sold out we had a standby line at the door i i have never people were personally coming up to me and saying you have to do this again this was so much fun this was the best night so quite literally the next day i emailed the shadow cast and i said i want to book you guys for next year we're, we're going to lock you in now so those tickets have just gone on sale um that's a really fun night i did, mean did people travel oh, for that i don't know if they traveled i mean they certainly came up from richmond and yeah. like down from fredericksburg we get a lot of people from spotsylvania fredericksburg coming down here it's pretty interesting um and, you know, and a lot of people that come up from Richmond. But so that'll be happening. I mean, we always have two weeks of holiday of Halloween classics that do a really good, um, we get a really good response for those. Um, we are going to be showing, this year we're going to show the original Halloween, which we couldn't show last year, on October 30th, which I think will be a good turnout. Um, it's going to be an amazing turnout because that's the best horror movie of all time. I, that's what people say. I mean, I agree. Yeah, I don't like horror movies, to be honest with you. I, I don't either. Yeah. But that, that one do, does it for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it holds up. And Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing. So, you know. Yeah. And then we'll do, we'll, we usually do about two weeks of um, holiday classics in December. So we're, we're not quite ready to, play, to announce or put those on sale yet, but that'll happen as well. Yeah. And I didn't mean to give you a pop quiz on dates. And well, you know, we, <laughs> it's, I mean, it is interesting in this kind of business where you're just constantly thinking 60, 90, six months out. I mean, you, you really have to, I have a calendar with me all the time and I'm like, well, let's look at the dates. Let's see what we can do. Um, but you, yeah, it gets a little exhausting. <laughs> What's your relationship like with uh, Downtown Ashland Association? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because Louise is in the room. <laughs> no, it's great. Maggie and Louise have been such supporters. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, it's it, everyone in this town wants the theater to succeed. But, um, no, I get a lot of great ideas from them, a lot of um, important, like, historical context. Um, you know, Train Day was such a 
eye-opener for me. I had no idea what that was going to be and what it was about. And um, they provided a lot of insight and help, you know, for how we should program that day at the theater because it's not a day that's about the theater. It's a day that's about the town and about trains. Um, but, no, I love I love working with them. And, I, it, you know, it's so interesting to me that even outside of train day, you have light up the tracks. There are all of the Halloween events. There are fourth Fridays. I mean, this is a town that constantly has something going on. And so it's... It's just, it's really cool that we get to piggyback on top of that and work with them to complement what they're doing um, and add to it. You know, like we don't, we don't ever want to be in opposition with them. Um, I mean, just the other day I was in a meeting about an event in November and I was like, hang on, I got to ask Maggie what the timing is for Light Up the Tracks because there's no point. We're not going to work against each other here. You know, let's yeah, yeah. all do this together. So it's great. Oh, that's awesome. Have you ever had a podcast in the theater? We have, yes. Well, you all film there. No, no, I mean or, with an audience. Uh, I don't know. Yes, I think that we have. I think that there was one before me, like before I started well, working there. Well, that doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Matt Tracy, who works over at the Slip Disc Audio, okay. he, we did an event with him and the Firehouse Theater okay. um, where they did a live uh, reading of the War of the Worlds, the Orson mm. Welles War of the Worlds with the Foley sounds. And I believe that that was recorded for a podcast, okay. but I don't, I honestly don't, don't recall. Would you be open to uh, doing a podcast with an Oh, 100%. There? Yeah. With a really cool guest? Yeah. And having a pretty monotone uh, guy interviewing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Find the guy. Let's do it. <laughs> the guest, I mean. No, 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 yeah. no, I'm with you. Uh, what, what's your most exciting event that has nothing to do with the theater just in Ashland every year? Which one do you really look forward to? Because you've been here a couple of years now, right? Yeah. Well, I've only been here for two years. Um, what My most exciting event... I mean, can, can I count my niece and nephew's preschool graduation? Because that was pretty legendary I mean, it, it, and it's, adorable. It's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, you know, I, I just, everything for me is wrapped up in Ashland. Even though I don't live in Ashland proper, it's, you know, I'm constantly like, I will mention things to my family. Like, well, you know, even train day. I'm like, well, that's train day this weekend. And they're like, what? I'm like, how do you not know about train day? It's the biggest day of the year. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I I think it's really cool what you guys have done with the Ashland Theater. Uh, it is a, a deeply rooted part of the community. I'm so glad it's active again. I'm so glad it's vibrant, uh, and it's part of uh, the vibe for the town. And I I love everything about it. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, today. thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.